Welcome to Bangalore Revival Center. Here, we dream revival and serve people with love. Today, Pastor Preezy starts a teaching on the goodness of God. He shares how God revealed his goodness to Moses from the powerful conversation that he had with Moses on the mountain. Do listen and be blessed. Let's go into the word of God from the book of Exodus chapter 33. This is a very well-known scripture, yeah? But we're going to try and take time to read through the entire chapter and we're going to experience what Moses experienced when he encountered Jesus, when he encountered the Father, when he encountered the Holy Spirit. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 1. The Bible says, The Lord said to Moses, Get going, you and the people that you brought up from the land of Egypt. The Lord is giving a message to Moses and he's telling him, it's time for you to move on. You've been in this place for a really, really long time. But it is time for you to go to the next level. It is time for you to have a fresh revelation. It is time for you to experience what I had promised over your life. See, when we study the New Testament, we understand that the, the best promise, the ultimate promise, the ultimate blessing for a child of God is the promise of God's presence, is the promise of the Holy Spirit. There is no promise, there is, there is no blessing that is greater than the blessing of God's presence living within us. No job promotion, no relationships, no houses, no property, nothing can compare to the blessing of receiving the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is of the greatest blessing. Amen. And so God is speaking to Moses and God is telling him it is necessary that you now get on with your life. Don't be stuck where you are. Move on to the blessing that I'm giving you. Move on to the promises that I have spoken over your life. It is necessary that you pursue that. Don't be stuck in this season of your life. He goes on to say, Go up to the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. This is what I told them. I'm going to give this land to your descendants. You know, when God chose Abraham, God told him, I, I'm going to take you to a land and, and I'm going to give you that land and I'm going to multiply you there and I'm going to make sure that your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars of the sky and the dust of the earth and, and, and to your descendants, I'm going to give this land. As far as you can see, I'm going to give it to them. And through them, I'm going to make sure that every family, every home on the earth is going to be blessed because of them because of the promises of God over their lives. And then God kept repeating the same promise to Isaac and to Jacob. And yet nobody had realized or manifested or received this promise that God had given to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. They lived as foreigners all through their time. They are living in their promised land as foreigners. They are living in their own home as rented occupants. You understand what I'm saying? They're living in their own, uh, you know, community in the same place where God has ordained to bless them. They were living there like foreigners. And here is God speaking to 
Moses and saying, Moses, it's time. It's necessary that you now go and inherit all the promises that I gave to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I have already spoken. Now you need to enter. So I'm going to give this land to your descendants. These promises, these blessings, everything that has been spoken over your life, it's going to come to you. And verse 2, and then God says, then I will send an angel before you. What will he do? He will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So currently this land is occupied by all these ites, all these parasites. Yeah? And the Bible says God promised to give them an angel, a powerful angel. One angel, not an army of angels, an angel, one angel who is strong enough, who is powerful enough to give them total victory over their promised land. That they wouldn't have to fight any battles. Just one angel, okay? And, and he goes on to explain in verse 3, go up to this land. And this is the land that flows with, with milk and with honey. God is explaining to them that this is a good land, that this is a good promise. But then God gives them a condition. God says, but I will not travel among you. The reason being that you are a stubborn and a rebellious people. If I did, I would surely have to destroy you along the way. The promises that I gave to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, that promise, I'm, I'm not going to take back that promise. That promise belongs to you and you will receive everything that I have spoken over your life. And yet, this is the only challenge. I cannot come and stay with you. I cannot walk with you. I cannot be among you because if I am among you, I will have to kill you. I will have to destroy you because all of you guys, you are so stubborn, you are so sinful, you are so rebellious. And God is actually referring to the previous chapter, what happened in the previous chapter. That is, Moses is up on the mountain and the people of Israel, what they do is, they are like, 40 days, we can't find Moses. 40 days, we don't have a leader. 40 days, we don't have another instruction. So let's move on. So they moved on and they made a terrible mistake. They took something that God had given them. Okay, this is what I meant earlier when I said that sometimes we can take the goodness of God without God himself. See, when, when they left from Egypt, the goodness of God made sure that these guys will become wealthy, like filthy rich. Let's read on, okay? We'll understand what, what we are trying to say. When the people heard these stern words, they went into mourning and stopped wearing their jewelry and their fine clothes. Why? For the Lord had told Moses to tell them, you are a stubborn and rebellious people. And if I were to travel with you even for a moment, I would destroy you. So remove your jewelry and your fine clothes while I still decide what to do with you. So what had happened was that these guys, when they left Egypt, God had caused such favor upon these people that all of Egypt 
the entire nation of Egypt, all the wealth that they had, all the jewelry that they had, all the gold that they had, all the fine clothing that they had, they gave it to the children of Israel. Why? Because of the goodness of God. Why? Because God had shown his favor, his mercy upon the nation of Israel. But now, somewhere into their journey in the wilderness, when they found that Moses is no longer with him, they found that Moses is no longer helping them. They found that Moses is no longer there to give us instructions every day. The Bible says these guys, they decided to find their own God. Where did they go to get this God? They went to the same source that God had given to bless them. They did not go to the enemy. They didn't say, okay, because we, we no longer want this God, we can't use the jewelry, the money that he gave us. They went back to the same money, the same resources that God had blessed them with. And the Bible says they made a calf out of it. And all night long, they were dancing, partying, and they were worshipping this calf. This was a, there was a great celebration. You know, you can read about it in, in Exodus chapter 32. And so God is looking at that and God is saying, you are a, a stubborn and a rebellious people. Why? Because you want my goodness without me. Anytime we experience the goodness of God, but we do not want God. Anytime we want to experience the blessings of God, but we don't want to have an intimate relationship with God. Anytime we want to just be, be blessed by God, but not necessarily you know, walk in close relationship with him, you know what will happen? The blessing that we have received from God will become our God. The blessing we receive from God will become our idol. You see, when, when God gave them that blessing, it was a good thing. Many people, what they do is they take this verse and they say, oh wait, it is a bad thing to wear jewelry. What about fine clothes? Because God didn't just tell them to not wear jewelry. God also told them not to wear fine clothes. The reason was not about, the, the point of contention here was not jewelry. The point of contention was that they wanted to experience the goodness without the giver of that goodness. If you are going to enjoy your marriage without the, the author of your marriage, then your marriage will become your idol. If you're going to want to enjoy the money that that God has given you without God's personal involvement in the money that you know you are receiving or you're getting or you're earning that money will become your idol even your children you know all of us parents we we love our children we want to give them our best and and we want to make sure that they, their, their lives are as comfortable as it could be but anytime our uh, you know care our leadership over their lives our, our you know possessiveness for them it's all about us and them and God is not in the picture guess what happens the children that God has given us the gifts that God has given us can become our idols so then God has to step in and say now that these things are a temptation to you now it is necessary for you to disconnect from your jewelry throw your jewelry away if you read the next line it says were sits so from the time they left Mount Sinai the Israelites they wore no more 
jewelry or fine clothes. So the same things that God had planned to use to bless these guys became a stumbling block. It became a, a, a reason for God to remove that out of their lives. And God said, no more. This is it. No more of this in your life. Because now this is becoming your idol. Now this is becoming something that you're going to dance around, that you're going to worship around, that your whole prayer is revolved around this. Now your whole, uh, you, the, the reason you're coming to church is so you can get some blessing. The reason you're praying is so you can get your marriage sorted. The reason you're doing all of this is so that you can experience my goodness. But you don't want me. And so because of that, I'm going to disconnect you from this one thing not because it's a bad thing but because now this is becoming your idol so this morning i i pray that as a church we will come to god and say god you are the ultimate definition of goodness yeah what is what your you know you you and i we have to get rid of every mentality that we have old mentality that we have that says if if I have a good house, if I have, you know, my children study in the best schools, if I drive this particular car, then, I, then my life is sorted. It's not. That is not the definition of goodness for us. The definition of goodness for us is the presence of Jesus. If we have him, we are, we are sorted. If we don't have him, then we are the most miserable of all people. It doesn't matter what what blessings we've got. It doesn't matter how many things are working for you. If we don't have the presence of God in our life, if we're not constantly pursuing His presence in our life, then we are the poorest of all people. The goodness of God in our life is not just about what we have received from Him. You know, honestly speaking, what I did is to pick, pick up the word goodness that is revealed, that is mentioned in this particular story, and I searched scripture to, to, to get all the root words everywhere that the same root word goodness is used. And what I realized is that most places where this word goodness is used, it's not, it's not actually talking about God. It's talking about the blessings that we receive from God. Most of these places, okay, what I will come to the scripture that we are talking about, but most of the places where this goodness manifested, people prospered. People experienced abundance. People experienced great blessings and, and, and they, they had their prayers answered and they had, the, they had their uh, you know, questions solved. And you know, they, they, there was so much of favor of God wherever this goodness manifested. So what happens with so many of us who walk with God is that we can see something and, say, and see the goodness of God in action and we can just get so thrilled by this opportunity and we'll be like, wow, this is all I want. And we forget to experience the person behind the goodness. We forget to pursue the person behind this goodness. And that is where we make the mistake. And, and here we see God is giving Moses this option. God is saying, I cannot come with you but all the good blessings that you want, you can take it. You can have it. Just go and enjoy it. Just, you know, just go into the promised land. That's the land flowing with milk and honey. Because if I come with you and you continue to be stubborn like this, you continue to be rebellious like this, 
then I will have to kill you. I will have to destroy you. Because my goodness, it is so ferocious that when you, when you do not pursue my presence, but you only pursue my goodness, then that, then that conflict of interest can in fact kill you, can destroy you. We'll, let's, we'll, we'll reach that later on today. You know, God is speaking that to Moses. And, and here he's saying, hey, from that day onwards, they stopped wearing jewelry. They stopped wearing fine clothes because these were things that reminded them of a past. These were things that reminded them of a temptation that they had. These were things that reminded them of a connection that they had to a worship that was not supposed to be there. So this morning, let me, let me tell you this. It is, it is better. Jesus said it like this. It's better to go into heaven with, without one hand than to go to heaven with both hands. Yeah? It's better to go to heaven with one eye than to go to hell with both eyes. What is Jesus saying? He's saying it's okay to make certain sacrifices. The other day when we were reading this in our home, my, my son, he immediately ran to the kitchen. I, I can't talk about him, but you know, somebody, uh, somebody did this. I, he, he ran to the kitchen to pick up a knife and cut his hand. And I'm like, uh, wait, that's, that, that's, uh, let, let's, let's interpret the scripture for you. you know? uh, it, what are the things that you need to disconnect from your life? What are the things that you can cut off? See, you can live without clothing and jewelry. You can. You can live without it. What can you live without? Disconnect from those things. Disconnect from any things that can become, that can possibly become your idol. That can possibly take away your worship. That can possibly become your temptation. The next verse, verse 7, it says, It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. This was away. He would go away from the camp and he would set up the tent of meeting away from the camp. And it says, everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord, what would they do? They would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. So everybody will come with their prayer request, with their grocery list, with their problems and they're like, you know, my brother is fighting me, my mother is not helping me, my property is taken away by somebody else, this, this person is stolen from me, that, that person is hurting me. All their complaints, they will take it to God at the tent of meeting. And what would Moses do? The Bible says he would take all of this and he will go inside. Verse 8, whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people, the entire nation of Israel, they would all get up and stand at the entrance of their own tents and they will all watch as Moses would disappear inside as Moses would go in they would all watch and they will just wait there their, their, their gaze will be on Moses because Moses is the man who is taking all their needs all their problems all their issues to God yeah and so and so they would they would stand you know, at the entrance of their own homes. Not inside their homes, they will stand at the entrance of their own tents, the Bible says. Meaning each of them would, would be representing their own home, their own family, and they would be intently gazing at what God is about to speak. Intently 
seeing what God is about to do today. They would have a reverence, they would have respect for what God will speak about their situation. It says, and as Moses would go into the tent, the pillar of cloud, it will come down and it will begin to hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Guess what's happening here? The pillar of cloud. Do you know what was the pillar of cloud? Yes. You remember there were two things that God gave them in the, in the wilderness. One, one was the pillar of cloud and, uh, and the pillar of fire. The cloud was to help them during the day so that they don't you know, faint under the sun in the wilderness. And the fire was to keep them warm at night. Okay, but this was high up there. But whenever Moses would go into the tent with all their problems, all their needs, the Bible says the pillar of cloud that was up there will come down and it will begin to hover over around the tent. Meaning there was almost like a seal that nobody else can get in. This was like a D&D sign. That this is it, this is a private meeting. No one is allowed to come in and nobody is allowed to come out. Till this conversation is over. No one can come in or out. And you would see what is happening inside, okay? It says, When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, now they are no, no longer just standing and watching. The Bible says, Now they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Okay, what was the first thing that they did? When Moses would go in, they will have a level of expectation and they would stand up and they would watch till the time the glory will come, till the time the cloud will come down. And as soon as the cloud comes in and, and, and covers the tent, they would all bow down in front of their own tents. It says, and this is what is happening inside. Are you ready for this? Verse 11. It says, inside the tent of meeting, this is what God would do. The Lord, the Bible says, would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. The Lord is now revealing himself, speaking heart to heart things. You should understand, Moses has a list of problems that people have, right? And Moses is saying now, yeah, uh, he has the list and he's like, so Elena is complaining about this and then Karen is you know having this issue and then Jenny has this issue so and and he is having a conversation with God and and he is receiving answers it's like okay so this is what I should tell her okay this is what I should tell him okay he's he's in deep conversation with God the Bible says this conversation was so close he was like a friend talking to his friend a person having a intimate relationship with his friend face-to-face -face conversation the the root word is even more close because it says mouth to mouth it's it's a kind of intimacy that you you can't explain where you are experiencing God such in such close personal way that nobody else has experienced before or after yeah now you and I can look at this and think man Moses has achieved everything right Moses has seen it all Moses can now die in peace. There's nothing left for Moses to see. Nothing left for Moses to experience. The Bible goes on to say, afterward, Moses, what he would do is he would return to the camp 
with all the things that God has spoken to them. But the young man who assist, assisted him, Joshua, the son of Nun, he would remain behind in the tent of meeting. There were two people who would always go out, you know, when the Bible says that Moses set up the tent. It was not technically Moses who set up the tent. Moses was an 80-year-old guy or a 120-year-old guy around whatever time. 40 years they were in the wilderness. 40 years he used to do this, right? But Joshua was his assistant. He had his team that would set up everything. The Bible says when Moses would leave, Joshua would continue to stay back to experience what Moses experienced in the tent of meeting. You should understand, God didn't speak to Joshua. God didn't give any word to Joshua. God didn't give any specific revelations to Joshua. But Joshua just enjoyed being in the atmosphere where God spoke to Moses. And that is what qualified Joshua to become the next guy that God would pick up and say, Hey, you know what, Joshua? Just like I was with Moses, now I'm going to be with you. Because this guy was used to being in the tent of meeting just like Moses was. And now that qualified for Joshua to become the next man in line to inherit what Moses walked in. And in, so this was, like, like we read earlier, this was Moses' practice. Which means this was usual for Moses. Every day or every week or however often he would want to. He would just keep going into God's presence. And, and he would be lost in there for days. And until the time he doesn't come out of the tent, people are, you know, on their, they're, 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 they're waiting in adoration, in admiration of God's presence that is covering this tent of meeting. In verse 12, it says one day, okay, there were so many days, but out of that, one specific day, the Bible says, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, you know, he's having a conversation like a friend to friend, right? He's like, you've been telling me, take this people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. See, the one reason why Moses is hesitating to go on is because Moses knows that if God, if he would leave this place and an angel would come with him and God's presence is not there with him anymore, then he's going to lose this personal intimacy that he's been experiencing. He's been... He, he, he doesn't want to leave this. So he's now asking God. He's saying, God, I, I, I know that for a long time you've been telling me about Canaan. For a long time you've been telling us about the promises, the blessings, the favor that is in store for us. But you've still not revealed the identity of the angel that will go with us. You've not revealed who is it that will personally be with us. You haven't told me who will go with me. Verse 12, you have told me that I know you by name and I look favorably on you. So Moses is bringing everything that God has spoken to him back to God and saying, God, this is what you told me last week. When I came in, you said that you know me. You said that my, your favor is upon my life. The following verse, verse 13. If that is true, okay, so Moses is saying, if that is real, that you look favorably on me, then let me know your ways so that I can understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. 
Now, see, this is where Moses is so interesting for me because Moses is in a place where he's talking to God face to face, like a friend to friend. And still, he goes back to God next week based on what he heard last week. He goes back to God and he says, God, if, you, if what you said last week is right, then give me your heart. I want to understand you more. I want to know your ways. Come on. If there's anybody in Israel who knows God's ways, who is it? If there's anybody who can represent God correctly on the nation, who could it be? It is Moses. And he's, he, he's still going back to God the next week saying, God, last week you said that you love me. Last week you said that your goodness is for me. Last week you said that there is favor upon my life. And if that is true, then I want to know your ways. I want to understand you more fully. He, he's not saying then I, if, if, the, if that is true, God, then, you know, please fix my marriage. Please fix this leadership issue we have in our church. Please fix this lack. I mean, all the problems that the Israelites thought were problems, Moses didn't think they were problems big enough to bring to God when he would be in his presence. Like, can you imagine? Moses could have had all these things to ask God, right? Moses could have said, God, the water will run out in five days. Uh, these guys, they are bored of veg food. You know, we need fresh veg, non-veg food. Uh, the non-veg is like repeating the same non-veg, quail, quail, quail. So, you know, Moses could have cribbed like the rest of them, right? And yet, when Moses is in God's presence, he's saying, I want to know your ways. Teach me your ways. Help me. Come on, read this with me. If it is true that you look favorably on me, and let me know your ways, why? So that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. That is why I want to know your ways. So that I can continue to enjoy this presence, continue to enjoy your favor over my life. So teach me your ways. Show me your heart. To which the Lord replied, in verse 14, the Lord said, Okay, Moses, because you've been so persistent in asking me. Do you remember what God said earlier in this chapter? I'm not going with you. But because Moses kept coming back, because Moses didn't move on. See, the commandment came in verse 1. Okay, Moses, it's time to go to your promised land. But Moses actually disobeyed God. Moses stayed back. Moses said, no, I'm not going. I'm, I'm staying here. Moses would keep coming back to God week after week saying, okay, I need more. I need to understand you more. So finally God said, okay, because you're so persistent, Moses, this is what I'm going to do. I will personally go with you, Moses. And I will give you rest and everything will be fine for you. See, you should understand when Moses is praying, his prayer is not for himself. His prayer is for the, for the whole nation of Israel, right? You remember the last line of the previous verse? Please remember this nation is your own people. But when God is speaking to him, God is not speaking about the entire nation. God is speaking specifically about Moses. God is saying, Moses, you pursued me, so I'm going to be with you. This nation 
they will be blessed or they will be cursed based on their alignment to you i'm not i'm not blessing the nation because of them i'm going to be with you moses and whoever is in alignment with you will receive that same presence that is with you that is why after after jo- after moses moses time god spoke to joshua and god said as i was with moses so i will be which means this was not a promise to the entire nation of israel to the nation of israel god said okay i'm going to i'm going to send angel michael or angel so and so to come and fight for you but to moses god said because you you're so desperately coming back into my presence asking for more see if moses did not have this then i can understand See Moses had Moses had face to face encounters with God and still he is continuing to come back to God saying give me more I want to know your ways I want to understand you more fully and so God replies to him saying okay Moses this is what I'm going to do I'm going to personally go with you Moses and I'm going to give you rest and everything will be fine for you So anything anybody that needs rest they need to hang around with Moses Anybody that needs to experience the presence of God, they need to hang around with this Moses. And then, then Moses said, "God, if you don't personally go with us, you see, Moses is changing it into plural. You know, those of you who pay attention to details, you will understand this. He's not saying if if you will go with me. Moses, a good pastor. Moses is saying, God, it's not just about me. I know, I know you are with me, God. I know you love me, but with us, if you will not go with us." if you will not be with us if you will not go with us can you imagine that whole nation of israel they have no idea what is happening in this room they don't know that there is a pastor who is praying for them who is who is like standing in the gap god is saying it's okay just ignore them but but moses is saying god if you include all of us don't just walk with me i want you to walk with all of us personally go with all of us we want you all of us as a community we need you he says if if you don't personally go with us please please don't make us leave this place how will anyone know that you look favorably on me on me and on your people if you don't go with us so moses says first what did moses say if you are if you if you have shown favor on me then teach me your ways then he says now that you 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 you've promised to go with me now let me push it a little more now if you have favor on me because of the favor on my life will you please walk with my entire nation with me and my people walk with us god if you don't go with us how will people know that you have looked favorably on me verse 16 are you ready for verse 16 This is in your benediction every week. We confess this every week, by the way. By the way, all the verse, all the things that you confess in the benediction, they are all scriptures. One of the things you could do is go and research where these scriptures are hidden in script in the Bible, okay? And confess them over your own life. He says, "For your presence among us, not the blessings among us, not the provisions among us." not the promises of god among us but your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth 
Church, what is it that sets you apart from your colleague at work? It is not the fact that you have more intelligence than them. It is not the fact that you have more promotions than them. Sometimes we take pride in this external things, right? And we are like, oh, this is the proof that God is with me. I'll tell you what is proof that God is with you. It is His presence. It is His presence that sets us apart. And, 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 and Moses says, God, take everything else. But if I don't have this presence, I don't want to leave this place. Please don't make us as a community to leave this place. So the Lord replied to Moses saying, yeah, I will indeed do what you have asked, Moses. This, this, I'm not doing this for the nation, but for you, Moses, because you are asking that I go with them. I will indeed do it. If Moses would have gone ahead with the first instruction that God had given them, then they would have lost the presence of God after the wilderness season. They would have definitely seen miracles. They would have definitely seen uh, this angel fighting for them. They would have definitely seen provisions, but they would have now not experienced the presence of God after the 40 years in the wilderness. But because Moses prayed this prayer, God said, yes, I will indeed do what you have asked. For I look favorably on you. And I know you, Moses, I know you by name. Do you want to know Moses' next question? See, if, if it was me, I'm telling you, if it was me, I'm like, okay, God, thank you. This was my heart's desire. This is why I prayed, fasted for 40 days, hoping that you will not forsake my church. Now that you have promised that you will be with my church, thank you, I will see you tomorrow. But then Moses, he, he's not willing to give up. Are you ready for the next one? Then Moses says, if that is true, said then, show me your glorious presence. Church, I want you to understand this. Moses has seen the presence of God. You remember what we read earlier. Okay, there would be a, a pillar of cloud that will come from heaven. He'll cover the tent and Moses would be inside. And Moses would hear God speak to him and Moses will speak to God. There will be face to face, mouth to mouth, intimate conversation with God as a, as a person would speak to his friend. It's not like this Moses' first time experiencing God. But then Moses says, no, I want more. Teach me your ways. I want my people to come along with me. And God says, yes, your people will experience. I, yes, I will do whatever you've asked. And Moses said, okay. Then, because I'm enjoying this movement, let me capitalize on it and show me your glorious presence. Not just presence, but now show me your glorious presence. The other translations would use the word, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Moses cried out saying, then show me your glory. You want to read God's reply to this prayer? Let's read. Then God replied, Yes, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. See, because Moses is so hungry to receive from God, God says, Yes. What Moses asked for is the glorious presence of God. Right? But what is God saying? 
I will show you my goodness. It doesn't make sense. Because Moses is saying, Lord, show me your glory. But God is saying, I will show you my goodness. Come on. If, if, if you say, I need rice, and I say, here is chapati, what does that mean? It means this chapati is made out of rice. You understand what I'm saying? When Moses prayed and Moses said, I want to see your glory. Then God said, yes, I'm going to show you my goodness. That goodness was a revelation of God's glory. That goodness was a revelation of his presence. That goodness was who God really is. It is not what God does, but it is who he is. My God, he is good. Yes, he also does good, but he is good. That is his personality. And God is telling him, I will make all my goodness pass before you. See, till now, Moses, you've seen in part. You've experienced one thing at a time. But now in this moment, you're going to experience all of it at one go. You're going to have all my goodness. It's going to now pass before you. And along with it, I'm going to call out my name. Because if you experience my goodness, but you don't know the source of that goodness, you're not able to make that connection between the person and the provision. Then you will be deceived, Moses. So I will show you my goodness and I will reveal my name to you, Moses, so that from this point onwards, this goodness will be connected to a revelation of who I am in your life. You cannot experience my goodness without me, Moses. Both of it has to go hand in hand. The next verse, it goes on to say, verse 19, God is saying, for I will show mercy to anyone that I choose. And I will show compassion to anyone that I choose. The reason God is saying this is because this was something that was unthinkable. Nobody could see the glory of God. Nobody could see all of God's goodness at one point together, at one shot. It was impossible. It was unattainable. It was unthinkable for a human being to ask for it. And yet because of one guy's hunger, God said, yes. I'm going to show mercy on you. I'm going to show compassion on you. And I'm going to help you. I know you're not able to do it physically, but I'm going to give you the secret to how you can experience this goodness, how you can encounter this glory. He says in the next line, he says, but you may not look directly at my face, for no one can see me and live. In all my goodness, if, if you see me, all of it, man, that's going to kill you. Nobody can do it. See, that's why even when we get to heaven, we will continue to see in glimpses. We'll keep knowing in part. We'll keep growing with him. All of eternity, we will continue to see his goodness more and more and more. And the thing is this, when we see him, we see his goodness. So it's, it's not possible that we can have an encounter with God and we don't have a revelation of how his goodness will manifest in our life. You, you know, let me explain what I'm trying to say. You cannot have an encounter with God and think that poverty is good. Yeah. You cannot have an encounter with God and say it's okay to be sick. Because you just see the goodness of God. 
you see all of God's goodness you see who God really is you cannot have an encounter that great that beautiful that glorious and think that it's okay to have this problem in my life it's okay to tolerate this lack it's okay to live like this. it's it's impossible for somebody who has had an encounter with God because God is good when you experience God you experience his goodness when you experience God you experience his provision it says in a moment of time I'm going to show you everything all my goodness hundred percent all my wealth all my blessings all my greatness all the angels that worship me everything that I created everything that I'm going to do that I've done you will see it right now but you cannot see it directly at my face so the Lord continued he said look and because I'm showing mercy on you Moses on yourself you could not have done this because I'm showing mercy on you I'm gonna give you the secret he's saying look here is a rock I want you to stand near me on this rock on this rock you stand on this rock if you can stay here I am gonna give you directions on how to experience all of my goodness okay if you will stay close to this rock then you will have a shortcut to see my face then you will have a shortcut to experience who I am the the glorious presence that you cried for the goodness all of my goodness that you wanted to see and he says as my glorious presence passes by this is what I will do I will hide you in the crevice of the rock in this rock that is near me there is a crevice there and I'm gonna hide you inside the crevice of this rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by then I will remove my hand Moses so that you will be able to see me from behind but my face will not be seen but my face you 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 because you don't have the capacity to see my face Moses none of us have the Bible says even in the New Testament Paul says he dwells in unapproachable light no one has seen him and no one ever will that's what the Bible says we can never experience the fullness of his face we can grow into it like like the Bible says Moses would see God face to face it was one level at a time not all of his goodness together put together in one moment that's not possible but God said because of your hunger this is what I'm gonna do I'm gonna make a way I'm gonna put you on the rock I'm gonna hide you in the cleft of the rock in the in the in the rock there is a crevice I'm gonna hide you in the crevice of the rock and I'm gonna I'm gonna close the vision so you don't see me when I'm passing by but once I've passed by I will allow you to see my glory I will allow you to see all of my goodness in one moment of time for us that rock is Jesus we cannot you know Jesus is the rock that we stand on Jesus is the rock that helps us Jesus is the rock that we are hidden in Jesus is the rock in, in the Bible says we are hidden with Christ in God so we are hidden in Christ it, it's only because we are hidden in Christ that we can see the glorious presence of God it is only through Jesus that we can experience all of God's goodness in a moment of time because of what Jesus has done and today you and I you know we 
what what Moses experienced figuratively you and I we can experience literally we experience you know when Apostle Paul would speak about Moses and the rock in first Corinthians chapter 10 Apostle Paul would say Jesus was that rock Jesus was the rock that traveled with them Jesus was the rock that they drank from Jesus was the rock that they received from Apostle Paul interpreted it for us and now the Bible says God told Moses not to do this directly but through the rock stay in the rock as long as you are covered by the rock now you can experience all of my goodness today because we have a relationship with Jesus we can experience all of God's goodness everything that Moses was hungry for see we can be satisfied when we come to church we experience a little tingling sensation on our finger and then we're like wow I experienced God today that's it you know that'll become a testimony all through our life but if we can just keep coming back week after week if we can keep going back to God and say God last week this is what he gave me but I need more today I want to I want to draw in a little bit closer today I'm not satisfied with just that one word that I got I'm not satisfied with that one encounter I'm not going to make I'm not going to make my encounter into my altars or my my I'm not going to turn my encounters into religion and just stay there for the rest of my life I'm just going to want to keep pressing on keep wanting to know more and more of you I'm going to keep asking to see more of you the goodness of God experiencing the goodness of God is not about experiencing the blessings that the goodness will give us it is about experiencing the person behind that goodness as God said I'm gonna do this for you Moses I'm gonna cause all my goodness to pass before you and and I'm gonna call out my name so that you know where is this goodness coming from can we read a few scriptures and finish for this morning Psalm chapter 25 and verse 7 loudly one two three go remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions according to your steadfast love remember me for the sake of your goodness O Lord this is God's this is the psalmist she's praying and he's saying God I have this problem with certain sins in my life you know the nation of Israel they had sinned they had become stubborn and rebellious to God and Moses he tapped into the goodness of God because of which God is now overlooking what the nation did God had earlier said I'm gonna kill you if I have to travel with you but because Moses pursued the goodness of God the Bible says now God said okay I'm willing to do this for your sake Moses I'm willing to let go of their iniquities I'm willing to forget that I'm willing to not kill them all and I'm willing to travel with them so David prays this prayer saying because of your goodness Lord forgive me because of your goodness that is revealed to me through Jesus your son forgive me today if you have a revelation of his goodness you will not have to live in guilt you will not have to live in sin you will not have to live in condemnation you will not have to live in shame everything that is that has kept you bound over the last one week over this last season you're going to receive freedom because of this goodness everything is packed in this goodness you, you don't need something outside of God 
God says that a revelation of His goodness is enough for us to have freedom from every transgression. There is no sin that is so big that God would say, oh, this is beyond my help. God says, if you can just pursue me long enough, if you can just stay in my presence long enough, there is absolutely nothing that I will not overlook. There's absolutely nothing. There is this lady in the Bible. The Bible says she was of a very disreputable background. Everybody in the room knew it. She didn't come and she didn't try to do anything else. She just came and she pursued the goodness of Jesus. She just started washing the feet of Jesus. She just started worshipping him. She just started loving him. She didn't even pray for forgiveness. But Jesus looked at her and said, Woman, your sins are forgiven. Don't worry. It's done. Your pursuit of God's goodness, a revelation of God's goodness, is all that it takes to help you and I to live free of sin, to live free of shame, of guilt and condemnation. Can you read it with me? A revelation of God's goodness, it helps me live free of sin, shame, guilt and condemnation. Psalm chapter 27 and verse 13. See the context to this verse is Psalm 27 verse 4. You remember Psalm 27 verse 4? If you're in this house, you need to memorize Psalm 27 verse 4. Trust me. It's more important than Psalm 23 verse 1. Yeah. David prayed saying, One thing I have asked, one thing that I have desired is to gaze at your face and to dwell in your presence. Yeah. So David is having this conversation with God and, and as a result of it, he's, he's making this declaration in verse 13 of the same psalm. He says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He, you know what is this confession meaning to say? That right now, right here, not after I go to heaven, not after I die, but in the land of the living, when I am still in Bangalore, when people can still see me, I will look and I will experience and I will taste and I will encounter the goodness of God right here and right now. Moses believed that in the Old Testament. How much more can we believe for that in the New Testament church? See, Moses encountered a glory without the legal certificate to go into encounter that glory. You and I, we can encounter this glory because the Bible says now you can come boldly into his throne room to receive grace, to receive help, to receive provision from God. Boldly we can enter. We have the legal document because of the blood of Jesus to enter in and look at that goodness. So how much more is it attainable for us? Please read this with me. It's absolutely possible and attainable to see the goodness of God on this side of eternity. Not on that side, but here, right here, right now. That's why I, I just wanted to pray for certain people this week because this week you will experience the goodness of God. Today, everything that has been sowed as seeds into your spirit, this is going to come alive as you begin to pray. It will come alive as you begin to worship. And you will look at the goodness of God here in the land of the living. Here in Bangalore. Here when you're still fellowshipping in BRC. You will experience, you will look at the goodness of God. You will taste Him. You will enjoy Him. 
Come on, read the next verse with me. Psalm 31, verse 19. Loudly, one, two, three, go. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and work for those who take refuge in you, in the sight of the children of mankind. You remember what Moses prayed? Moses said, God, it is your favor over my life that sets me apart from everybody else. It's your presence in my life that sets me apart, apart from everybody else. And the psalmist says, he has stored up goodness, stored up goodness upon goodness to make it manifest for you. Now, I'm speaking this to encourage those that pursue God week after week, but you don't see it always. You, go, you know, you come, you come sometimes, it's wanting such an encounter with God, but you may not get the encounter that you thought you will get. The Bible says, don't worry. If you, if you fear God, there is the encounters, it's being stored up. Or the goodness is being stored up. It is being added day upon day. And finally, when you experience the encounter, man, I'm telling you, it's going to come with interest. It's going to come with interest. So speak this out, the next line. Even when we don't see or experience it, there's goodness that is stored up for those who fear God. See, I'm not making, a, making this up. This is scripture, right? I just read what the scripture says. He's storing up goodness. See, what I did is, I, you know, there are a lot of scriptures in the Bible that talk about goodness. But I wanted to take only those scriptures where the root meaning or the root word is the same as that is used in in Exodus 33 verse 19 where God says I will make all my goodness pass before you and Psalmist says that goodness he is storing it up for those who fear God which means it's not being used nobody's stepping into it but it is being stored up and someday or the other you will receive it somebody said an amen so don't be discouraged if you come to church today and you didn't get what you thought you will get don't be discouraged because there is there is goodness that is being stored up for you. Psalm 65 and verse 4 says, Blessed is the one that you choose and you bring near to dwell in your courts. Because we will be satisfied. Come on loudly. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. How many of you believe that the Lord brought you into church this morning? You didn't choose to come here. It says, blessed is the one who you choose to bring them near. You chose them and you brought them near and you made them dwell in your courts. You chose, you brought them in. So what will happen to them? They shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house. The goodness of this church. The goodness of God that is revealed through this community. They will be satisfied with that. They will be content with that. Read this out with me. Together, one church, together. We receive satisfaction and contentment through the manifestation of God's goodness in this house. We receive satisfaction, God. Yeah. We don't receive satisfaction in the world. We don't receive contentment in a movie theater. We don't receive our satisfaction when we get our job salaries credited, uh, we don't receive contentment there. This is in the house, in the house of God, where he chose me to bring me in. 
that is where I am satisfied. That is where my contentment is. Psalm 145 and verse 7. It says, They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Now this church is going to rise up and we are going to go out there and we are going to talk about his goodness to the world around us. We are going to testify of his goodness. We are going to spread his goodness. We are going to become carriers of his goodness to others. Because God showed mercy on us. Now we will be the reason. We will become the reason for others to receive that same mercy through our lives. We are the objects and the carriers of his mercy to the ends of the earth. Read this out with me. Those who have tasted the goodness of God now have the privilege of sharing it and spreading it. Come on, say it like you really mean it. Say it like you're going to do it this week, okay? One, two, three, go. Those of us who have tasted the goodness of God, we now have the privilege of sharing it and spreading it to the ends of the earth. Amen? I'm going to finish with this blessing from Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 12. Lift your hands to the heavens. I'm speaking this over you. You will come and sing aloud to the height of Zion and you will be radiant over the goodness of God. I release radiance over your spirit this morning. Over the grain, the wine, the oil and over the young of the flock and the herd, their life, your life will be like a watered garden. And you will languish no more in Jesus' mighty name. Then shall the young woman in this house rejoice in the dance and the young men and the old shall be merry. I declare, let the goodness of God cause there to be joy, cause merriness, cause rejoicing in your relationships, rejoicing over the next seven days of this week because of a revelation of this goodness. The Lord says, I will turn their mourning into joy and I will comfort them and I will give them gladness for sorrow. In Jesus' name, Lord, we receive this. We tolerate no mourning in this house. We tolerate no sickness in this house. We tolerate no lack in this house. We know you are turning the mourning of your children into joy. We know you are turning the sadness into gladness. Come on, any priests in this house? Read this next one with me. Do you know that all of us, we are the royal priests? The Lord says, I will feast the soul of the priest with abundance. And my people shall be satisfied with my goodness declares the Lord my people will be satisfied with my goodness Lord we thank you for your satisfying your church with your goodness we thank you for each and every priest in this house that is receiving abundance from you this morning whose soul is receiving abundance this morning you will satisfy the souls of the priests with abundance Lord, I pray over the pastors of this house. I pray over the leaders of this house. 
I pray over the worship members, worship team leaders of this house, the prayer ministers of this house, the anchor group leaders of this house, each and every one in this place that believe that they are priests, kings and priests. I declare that they will, their souls will be satisfied with abundance. And Lord, that, their, that every child of God, the people of God, will be satisfied with your goodness this morning. Thank you for tuning into today's sermon. We hope this word has been a blessing to you. Do visit us at dreamingrevival.com. For more information, you're welcome to tune in every Sunday for our live celebration service at 11 a.m. at youtube.com slash Pastor Preji. God bless you and have a blessed week ahead.